Station, Space Station, this is Captain Dennis. I'm looking for Commander Mr. Nixon. Do you read me? Um, yes, this is Commander Mr. Nixon. What do you want, Captain Dennis? Permission to land my ship at Quadrant 5 of the landing zone and come aboard, sir. Um, I'm very busy, Captain Dennis, but since we're best friends, you have my permission to land. Roger that, Commander Mr. Nixon. 10-4, when you come aboard, we will go for ice cream at the Space Station Ice Cream Shop. Is that regular ice cream or astronaut ice cream? Um, both kinds. Dennis, what are you doing with that recording machine? Look, you've been typing over these tapes from June last year. How long has this been going on? When did you get in here? Um, I guess I came in at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock? That's nearly 19 minutes of tape you've recorded over, Dennis. <sighs> 18 and a half minutes to be exact. Completely erased. It better not have been anything important, young man. January 20th, 1969, Richard Milhouse Nixon became the 37th President of the United States and took up residence at the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. In all my years of public life, I have never once obstructed justice. And I think, too, that in all my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I am not a crook. In June 1971, Henry Mitchell, an aerospace engineer, moved his family to Washington, D.C., into a modest row house along Pennsylvania Avenue with his wife Alice and their only child, a precocious and mischief-prone boy of five named Dennis. Since I'm grounded, I figured I'd just play baseball in my room, but that just made it worse. By forces so random that no statistician would dare calculate the odds, the president and five-year-old Dennis would develop a thoroughly extraordinary relationship. One that some argue would change the course of American history. For BBC Radio 11's award-winning docuseries, Portraitures of Power, I'm Rebecca Baker, and this is Mr. Nixon and the Menace. Chapter 5 of Men and Massacres After the firing of Dean, Ehrlichman and Haldeman, the president hoped that the Watergate Fuhrer would calm down. Also, to replace Haldeman, Nixon brought in National Security Advisor Alexander Haig, an imposing army colonel who readily brought the same unsettling gusto to the White House as he did to the battlefields of Vietnam. My goal as chief of staff was to guide the president through the quagmire of Watergate while still keeping our foot on the neck of the day-to-day -day business of the White House. The president, though, was most concerned with gathering information about his newest number one enemy, Dennis Mitchell. For whatever reason, Dennis had shot to the top of Nixon's enemies list. Every day, I would run down the day's issues with the president and he'd always ask, How's Dennis? Is he still grounded? Does the FBI have eyes on his treehouse? In June 1973, once Dennis was ungrounded and free to play again, the president welcomed him back into the White House. 
After Dennis delivered a heartfelt apology, the First Lady was more than willing to forgive and baked Dennis a tray of chocolate chip blondies. The President allowed Dennis unfettered access to the West Wing uh, so that he could ensnare the boy in a sting operation of the President's design. Uh, unfortunately, the President had been uh, mentally exhausted by Watergate and his uh, methods were consistently proven uh, ineffective. One recording from June 18, 1973, highlights the difficulty Nixon faced in his secret war on Dennis. Henry, come here. Uh, so what, what has happened uh, to your desk? Flower, Henry. Every inch of my desk is covered in flour. I'm going to leave this office. Dennis will come in, and we will know everything he touches with his grubby little hands. Not to undermine the shrewdness of this strategy, but uh, what is its objective? Information, Henry. Information is power. It's like the whole Bay of Pigs thing all over again. The Bay of Pigs, sir? Um, it is my understanding that General Secretary Brezhnev will be arriving on the South Ground shortly. Uh, perhaps that uh, would be a better use of your focus. Act! My apologies. Morning, Mr. President. Brezhnev is on his way, and... Oh, my, what are you covered in? Is that cocaine, Henry? It was my flower trap. Hi, Mr. Nixon. Oh, cool. Are we playing ghosts? I want to be Casper. Dennis, put down that bag of flour. <coughs> Dennis, go outside and play right now. But... Now. <coughs> the flour incident was characteristic of the president's endeavors. A great deal of effort and thought would be poured into a stratagem that backfired on the president. It became a job just... Getting the president to focus on his job. In the meantime, the boy was running wild. He thought it was all a game of goddamn cowboys and Indians or something. As the president kept trying to catch Dennis, Dennis would respond in kind with various pranks and practical jokes. A rubber chicken showed up at a Republican National Committee breakfast. The president would often find Alka-Seltzer tablets in the bottom of his scotch glasses. And one cabinet meeting was disrupted by the presence of an energetic frog named Hoppy. In spite of all of this, the president continued to engage with Dennis. I had advised the president to limit his interactions with the Mitchell boy, but uh, he was bizarrely fixated on this war of trickery when he should have been keeping a closer eye on the Watergate committee. Maybe then we would have been ready for what hit us next. Breaking news today in the ongoing Watergate hearings, the revelation of a recording system in the White House that could very well finally provide answers to the questions, what did the president know and when did he know it? Mr. Butterfield, are there any other recording devices in the White House besides the secretarial dictaphone already mentioned? Yes. Yes, there is. The revelation of Nixon's White House tapes became a lightning rod of contention between the president, Congress, and special prosecutor Archibald Cox. The president attempted to maintain a vigorous clandestine operation against Dennis, but the battle over the White House tapes 
became uh, his number one priority. The president was uh, far less spirited in this endeavor. Nixon's despondency became overwhelming by late October, when Watergate's special prosecutor Archibald Cox refused the president's proposed Stennis Compromise. The president was voicing his most recent frustrations over the phone to Kissinger, who was in Russia discussing the Middle East with Brezhnev on October 20th, 1973. I just don't know, Henry. Apparently, I'm tough enough to stand up to despots and dictators, but this Archibald Cox is another story. I feel as weak and feckless as a Democratic presidential candidate. Mr. President, you must stay strong for the good of the country. Uh, moving ahead, Brezhnev believes that... Uh, it's as if executive privilege means nothing to these people, like my conversations are unequal with that of the, the neighborhood milkman. Please, sir, if I may have your attention on Israel for just a moment. Hello? Mr. Nixon? Henry, Henry Dennis is here. We'll, we'll finish this later, if, if there is a later. Uh, Mr. President, you, you mustn't talk like that. Hey, Mr. Nixon. Want to see my new Green Beret Johnny backpack? I got all kinds of neat stuff in here. Not now, Dennis. I'm very busy. But I got a new helicopter uniform for Green Beret Johnny. Dennis, this is my office. You just can't spill your toys and bric-a-brac every which way in here. I'll clean it up. You want to play Battleship? Uh, what is that? Well, this one is a destroyer, and this is a frigate. You should probably know these things, Mr. Nixon, what with you being the president and everything. No, 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 no. What are these spools in your backpack? They look like they're from the White House tape system. Oh, I found those just lying around in a box by the garbage down the hall. Joey and me used them as bases when we played ball in the park. You used them as bases? Which park? The big one, by the pond, and the Washington Monument. Dennis, you used tape spools from the White House recording system as bases in baseball on the National Mall? Where the members of the Senate committee walk past every day? Um, I guess so. Great, Gordon Liddy. D Dennis, look here. The Washington Post. These are members of the Watergate committee. Does anyone look familiar to you? D did you talk to any of them? Hmm. Oh, that guy. He played umpire one day. That's Donald J. Sanders. He's deputy minority counsel for the Senate committee. That's how he knew. I'm going to set up the game. But you gotta promise you're not gonna call the Navy to find out where my battleships are. Do you have any idea what you've done? I don't think so. You bungled it all up. It's like the 1960 debate all over again. Is this about the bag of tricks? Cause I already got grounded for that. No, Dennis. This is about the presidency. Your reckless shenanigans, they've cost me everything. Oh, I'm sorry. Once the tapes get out, they'll eat all Nixon alive. No, there's no coming back from this. The country will hate me. You know, sometimes I think everybody hates me, but Mrs. Nixon let me back in after breaking her plates when I said I was sorry. Maybe you could just tell people you're sorry about the bugs. Sorry? Tell people I'm sorry? 
The only thing I'm sorry about is deluding myself into taking cues from a five-year-old who still doesn't know the difference between Russia and China. I know one of them is communist. They're both communist. Does this mean we're not going to play Green Beret Johnny? No, Dennis. We're not going to play Green Beret Johnny. We're not going to play anything anymore. I can't believe I let myself get so distracted. This was a third-rate burglary that I had nothing to do with, and now Cox and the Barbarians are at the gate. Barbarians? Nato! It's not Nato. We made a mess of it. You made a mess of it. All the bubblegum comics, the Milton Bradley games, the ice cream breaks in the middle of the cabinet meetings. This is the White House, for God's sakes, not some peewee summer camp! Dennis Mitchell, you will not be allowed in the White House anymore. This, this is unpardonable. Gosh, I'm sorry, Mr. Nixon. I won't do it again. I know you won't, because this is the last time you'll be in here. Hang! Do you want to come over to my house? We can still play Greenberry Johnny. You're still my best friend. Well, except for Ruff and Joey, I guess, but you're my White House best friend. That's not true, and it never was. Mr. President. I've got a lot of work to do, so please um, escort Dennis out. Yes, sir. Come along, Dennis. Fine. I'll come back soon to see Green Beret Johnny. I gotta put on his new helicopter helmet. No need for you to come back. Here he is. Catch. His arm's busted! We'll fix it outside. Let's go. What about us going on a helicopter ride? Come along, Dennis. But we're friends, Mr. Nixon! You're my White House best friend! Later that evening, believing he now had no other recourse, the President ordered Attorney General Elliot Richardson to fire Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox. But yet again, things did not go as planned for the President. On Saturday, the Watergate saga saw some of its most dramatic moments yet. Upon receiving an order from the President to fire Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox, Attorney General Elliot Richardson refused and resigned in protest. The president then turned to Deputy Attorney General William Ruckelshaus, who also refused and resigned in protest. Finally, Solicitor General Robert Bork, the new acting attorney general, complied with the president's wishes and fired Archibald Cox. Reporters immediately dubbed the cavalcade of constitutional keister kicks the Saturday Night Massacre. I advise against the president's decision to fire Cox, but uh, after his fight with Dennis, the president was all riled up and became determined to fight the investigation like a Viet Cong warrior with three days of rice in his pocket. After the events of that Saturday night, uh, the president lost the support of the American people. It uh, was the beginning of the end. Next week on our final chapter of Portraitures of Power, the President is dealt another blow when it is revealed that there is an inexplicable 18 and a half minute gap missing from a crucial Watergate conversation between himself and Haldeman. Mr. Hay, 
what explanation can you offer as to how this gap in the tape came about? Perhaps some sinister force is responsible. With Dennis no longer around, Nixon isolates himself and vows to fight the Congress and the Supreme Court to the bitter end. The president was not going to quit. It uh, was not in his genetic makeup to do so. But as the country prepares itself for an unprecedented constitutional crisis, the president cannot help but stare into the abyss of his mistake-ridden past. Henry, we could build it again. Build what, sir? A, a plan for peace? A, a coalition in the house? No, cowboy talk. Portraitures of Power is an original production of BBC Radio 11, copyright 1990, and current subsidiary of Accelerate Investments, LLC, the sole controlling interest of AA Baseball's two-time champion, North Shore Robert Barons. Go Robert Barons.